Welcome in, everybody, to the OBR Film Breakdown, where we are going to cover a couple different things. Um, we're going to start here with what's up on the OBR website. We have had a couple different prospects that we've featured, and uh, I want to get to those here in a second. I actually wanted to remind you that yesterday's pod was not a great one from my end. I, I was pretty sick, and I still am. I'm going to try to gut through this one, but dealing with a pretty nasty sinus infection, so... If I'm a little nasally or can't breathe real well and catching my breath here when I talk, I apologize. But a couple prospects that we put up. The first was uh, Day 15's Kyle Phillips, a UCLA slot receiver who I think is a really fun player. And if the Browns pass on some early wide receivers, still needing to address the slot, I think I think Phillips can do a little bit of everything. He's older, so he's 22, going to be 23 pretty quickly in June, June 17th, but... That's why I kind of peg him as a pick 118 or so. First team all Pac-12 in 2021. Led the Pac-12 in receiving touchdowns. And uh, Redshirt Jr., 5'11", 189. Really, really strong testing data as far as his 10-yard split. Uh, Very, very strong there. And then I also really liked his shuttle and three-cone numbers for his agility grades, which are paramount for a guy who will play the slot in the NFL all the time, right? So really like those metrics. I like his tape. Pretty good catch radius. Nice release package of the line of scrimmage. I think could be a fun third receiver. A couple punt return touchdowns in his career at UCLA. Uh, favors uh, the, the the athletic profile here. A couple names that catch my eye above 80%. McCole Hardman and John Mechie. And we've all talked about John Mechie. We like a lot. And we know how dynamic McCole Hardman is. A um, couple scouting report notes. Phillips, this is from um, Sports Info Solutions. Phillips has a fairly limited role at the next level, but can be a quality slot option as a reserve. His usage is restricted to underneath concepts and checkdowns, but he has a solid trade as a chain mover and quarterback-friendly target. Most importantly, he should immediately step in as an adept punt return candidate in the NFL. He isn't overly explosive, but he has a quick processor, and his elite 10 to 20-yard numbers in the 40 are what you really like to see in a tough and willing blocker. Dane Brugler says in his, Phillips is a specific, a role-specific as an undersized, quick, quicker-than-fast slot-only target. But he has the ready-made skills to be productive in that role in the NFL, and his punt return ability only boosts his draft grade. 163 career receptions at UCLA, played in the Shrine Bowl. Thought he did a really nice job uh, in the Shrine Bowl. A lot of highlights here. So go check out Kyle Phillips trying to kind of identify maybe some mid-round slot guys if the Browns can't bring back Jarvis Landry or figure that out before the draft. So Phillips is there. Make sure you go check him out. We also had day 14, which is Drake Jackson, a defensive end. Another young Drake from USC. So we put his uh, information up, Fred Greetham did. He's young, 21 and a half. He just turned 21 on the 12th of this month. He's 6'3", two, he fluctuates between 255 and 275. He's a junior. He's a freshman All-American, second-team Pac-12, three-time second-team Pac-12 player. Earliest he would go to me feels like 44, the latest 99 you could uh, you could deduce there. The sweet spot to me is about pick 78. We'll see if he ends up lasting that long. The age and the agility scores are what really are going to catch people's eyes. And vertical broad, really strong as well. Good explosive athlete. Put some comparable athletes here as, again, he was 93rd percentile in broad jump, 86th percentile in vertical, 85th percentile wingspan. A lot of the things you want. Favors in this draft to Arnold uh, Ebikidi, who's from Penn State, a 99% match, very similar profiles. And then Taekwon Lewis, a uh, former Ohio State player back in 2018, pretty similar there. And then others, Derek Burgess, Erasmus James, names that you don't know from the past. But nonetheless, 
Five sacks, 28 pressures his last year. Here's what Dane Brugler had to say about him. Jackson's a twitched-up speed rusher with the upside to be disruptive in the NFL. He can develop his play strength, hand power moves without sacrificing that athleticism that makes him special. He has the upside to be an impactful NFL starter, but he has work to do if he wants to reach that level. And then the folks over at Sports Info Solutions said, Jackson projects as a sub-package pass rusher, flexible reserve at the next level, he best profiles as a stand-up outside linebacker, but he can also bump to an inside shade with his hand down and drop into coverage on occasion. He is a little high cut, but is a good length, athleticism, hustle, overall skill set to become a solid pro, especially as a uh, fairly young player. He'll need to refine his hand usage and rush tools while also building his lower body strength to face uh, NFL run defense. You don't love that he hasn't played much special teams beyond like the simple things, field goal blocks or safe punts, but... He has the range athleticism to do that. So go check him out. They don't have him as a top 100 player. They have him as the 15th overall edge, while Dane's um, uh, The Beast has him as the 63rd overall player and number 10 at his position. So he's a little higher on him. Otherwise, things on the OBR webpage is you'll get Justin Ross tomorrow. If you're listening to this on Friday as your 20 for 20, he will be the 20 and 20, I should say. He will be up. Otherwise, things like I said, Corey Kennan's draft guide is now live. You should go get Corey's draft guide. He put a ton of effort into this thing. If you're an OBR subscriber, it is uh, it is free for you, and you should go get it. It's pretty great. It's got a lot of information about people that the Browns will care about. That's what Corey curtailed it to, so go check that out. If you're a subscriber, check out in the tap room uh, the link to uh, the, the download password, so you get that for free if you're a subscriber. The last thing is the worst Browns draft pick holdouts put out by Jack Duffett. We have to go back and remember that there used to be drafts where contract numbers were not predetermined. And while there are some things like offset language that gets uh, a bit picky with the modern guys, it is it is, uh, it is a different day and age from when, when guys were coming into the league without predetermined contracts. And with that, there's a history of holdouts that we wanted to cover. And we're going to have a fun one up on Bernie Kozar tomorrow. We're doing a little Browns history Heading into uh, the draft here, so Brown's draft history, it's going to be a lot of fun things, a lot of depressing things, but a lot of fun things too, like Bernie and how he reshaped the supplemental draft as he worked the rules to end up as a Cleveland Brown. So check that out. We'll have that up tomorrow. That's from Fred Greith. I'm pretty excited about it. Otherwise, going to take a really short break, uh, hear from our sponsors, come back. We're going to talk about the 2018 draft as we, we did the 2017 draft earlier this week. We're looking at the scouting reports and whether guys – Failed or succeeded here, and and did the scouting reports? Did they get better at what they were worse? You know the things they struggle with, and did they perpetuate what they were already good at to to find their niche in the NFL? Really fun. Uh, yeah, we'll be right back. Word from our sponsor. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, so coming back into this, a couple things I want to do that I did not do in the 2017 version. I did not go over guys that were drafted around these picks that they could have had instead. And I didn't go over where the Browns were heading into the draft. So I apologize for that. Those are two things I should have covered. If you forgot, the Browns headed into the 2018 draft with new management, right? This big hiring of John Dorsey and had all these picks to use and we wanted real football players. So Dorsey comes in there. The biggest needs identified back then for Cleveland was quarterback, obviously, then running back because they had Isaiah Crowell was let go. Duke Johnson's still there, but Isaiah Crowell was let go. He did not. They did not bring him back. Right tackle because Sean Coleman had continued to struggle while Joe Thomas was still considering being an active player. Then you had outside linebacker because yeah, Joe had not decided to retire yet. I don't believe someone can fact check me on that, but I don't believe at the draft he decided yet. Uh, outside linebacker is a need, and cornerback was a need. So yeah, I mean. Like I said, Cruel was gone. They didn't have much in the secondary. Jason McCourty and Brian Body Calhoun were the guys who played well in the secondary. Those guys were gone. So it was a blank slate for a lot of positions. Wide receiver was coming back with Josh Gordon's return. And then there was uh, the, the the addition of Jarvis Landry heading into the draft, as you all recall. So they, they thought they had done a nice job of addressing wide receiver going into the draft. You had Gordon returning. Yeah, they felt, I guess, pretty good about that. So... Let's uh, let's dig into the prospects. A reminder: I'm not going to do Baker Mayfield. Not going to talk about this guy. Not going to deal with him. Not dealing with the podcast. L- let me say this: if if you're until Baker Mayfield is not a Cleveland Brown, quit complaining about people talking about him. He's still on the team. He still has value to what he can bring back in return. So quit going online and telling people that oh it's over. He's done. People can talk about a man. He's still on the team. He still has a factor in what they get in return for any draft pick, or if they have to cut him. It's still a topic people are allowed to talk about just because you're tired of it doesn't mean other people can't talk about it, man. Sorry it didn't work out if you were a believer in Baker. Sorry. But, you know, it is what it is. Just move on. Move on from telling other people what to do. Until he's off this roster, people are probably going to talk about him. You should prepare yourself for that. So just want to get that out there. That, that Just every Baker thing that someone says is people like, oh, just move on. It's over. Well, you didn't want to move on when you wanted to tell people that you were right about him and being the starter this year. Okay, like... Can't have it both ways, man. Can't have the cake and eat it too. So you might want to just not reply to that tweet. It's probably something you could do. But anyway, we talked about Baker with Matt Waldman. Go back to January. This is before the trade, obviously, where we broke down his scouting report and how it identifies who he is as a player and how that uh, the, the weaknesses were never improved upon and some of the strengths didn't translate. And that's why we are where we are. I'm not going to sit here and say they should have taken Josh Allen. I have been on record many times saying Mayfield was the best pick given the situation. We obviously know Sam Darnold was not it. We obviously know that Josh Rosen was not it. Lamar Jackson, in hindsight, would it have been lovely to have Lamar Jackson and Nick Chubb? Y- yeah, I get it. 
But that's not a team, you know, even Baltimore passed on Lamar Jackson. Baltimore took uh, Hayden Hurst to pick 25 before they jumped up and took him at 32. So, yeah, I, the NFL has even changed since this time in 2018. But it's hard to sit here and say the Browns made the worst pick. Or, yeah, in a redraft, they're taking Josh Allen. It's pretty obvious, right, at this point. But you get what I'm, I'm you know, I think the phrase here is you smell them stepping. It's hard to say that they should have taken Josh Allen there. There's so much risk, and the Browns needed to raise the basement of their quarterback room. And a lot of people were all in on Mayfield, so I'm not going to blame them for that. The fourth pick, they take Denzel Ward. So Denzel had just turned 21. We're going to talk about ages. That's another thing we didn't talk about in the previous edition for 2017. Didn't talk about ages. Denzel turned 21 on April 28th of that year, so right around the draft. So he was really young, uh, staying in line with the trend. Going back to his days at Ohio State, he was a slot his junior year, sorry, his sophomore year, uh, because he was playing with other first-round picks. If you recall, Marshawn Lattimore in 2016 and um, Gary and Conley, both were the outside corners. Ward played the slot, so a lot of people thought he was going to be a slot in the NFL, which slot in college versus slot in the NFL is is much different, man. It's entirely different. There's just the, the requirements of run game stuff from the NFL slot is entirely different. So people tried to peg him that way. He was he was a great tester, a 4-3-2 runner, 16 bench press, 39 vertical, 132 broad, everything you want as a testing athlete. But some people like Lance Zerline here thought he was a Chris Harris comp, which is, again, inside his overview, Ward has experience and talent to handle Duties on the outside, but a lack of play strength combined with his elite footwork might dictate that he moves inside in the NFL. Ward is outstanding as a mirror and match corner with great route feel who is able to maintain tight coverage around the field with good technique and pattern recognition. He should be happy as an early starter at nickel with the uh, talent to make an immediate impact for a defense that faces pass happy divisions, uh, foes in that division twice a year. Obviously, he never played a ton of nickel snaps. He could and did in the NFL somewhat, but not many. So that projection kind of missed. He was a 6.8 grade, which is for Lance Zerline, a all pro, sorry, a Pro Bowl talent. So it was high on him, not overly high, but high on him. He's supreme athletic ability. These are the strengths: supreme athletic ability. Yes, expected to be impressive combine tester. He was. Can park in deep squat under receivers chin at the line. He does. He doesn't get. He doesn't play bump and run, but that mirror tech is fantastic. He will just stay in your hip pocket. Patient from press, showing no panic or hurry in initial movements. Agreed. He can pedal and mirror for a long time without opening his hips. Yes. Tremendously gifted footwork. Yes. Mirrors and matches with good balance throughout the route. Yes. Matches changing route speed stride for stride. Plays from low uh, low side of the route to take away comebacks. Uses big bursts for recovery and closeout. Carries true long speed down the field. Reads cues. Sorry, clues from off man. I do think he's gotten better at off man. He did not start out well because he was not tasked with doing that much. And obviously going into different systems led to different results. He reads slants and drives in front of him route in search of an interception. Agreed. He's done a nice job with that. He allowed just over 32% completion in two years. Ball hawk with sudden sudden hands to attack the throw. And bats down the throw with, with uh, he'll swirl the arms around the catch point to prevent target from finishing the catch. His weaknesses, frame is somewhat slight, and he feels small in coverage at times. Agreed. Big body receivers, A.J. Brown, Cortland Sutton, those guys have given him trouble. Lacks play strength to jam and disrupt. So I said, he doesn't have mirror technique that is so great, but he does not have great upper body functional strength to jam and disrupt. Agreed. Appears to avoid route contact so he doesn't upset coverage balance. That's true. 
There's a great example of that where Travis Kelsey catches a touchdown against Ward in the slot, and it's um it's a great look at how he avoid he tries to avoid it because he got hit, fell down, and easy Kelsey touchdown. Physical receivers can body him at the top of the route. Yep. Needs to turn and find football sooner with a back to the ball. That happens on occasion. He's gotten better, though. Always around the throw, but lack of size and length. Shows up in the just misses and pass defense. I think that's true. Several pass breakups came on throws with poor placement. Coverage benefited from deep, talented rush unit. That does help at Ohio State. Has issues disengaging from big blocking receivers. I think he's been pretty strong in the run game, personally. And he... uh, Big uh, big backs da- sorry big backs drag him for a ride and run support. I have again think he's been a great ankle biting low playing corner tackler. So his strengths completely carried over. Some of the weaknesses did, but he still finds a way to stay successful. Justifiable fourth pick in my opinion. The only corner from this draft that you could look at and say maybe they should have taken him is Jair Alexander. You could make an argument, but Jair's one Pro Bowl to Denzel Ward's two, but still a pretty similar player in pick 18, but I'm more than happy with Ward. So young player, good pick, uh, fine with that one. The next one, Browns had two picks at the top of the second round. Austin Corbett is the first one. This was a miss. Now, Austin has turned in a nice career, uh, kind of finding finding his way, and I think he signed with the Panthers this offseason for a nice little deal, but the Browns needed a tackle. Tackles that were still sitting out there. Brian O'Neill from Pittsburgh, who's on a good second contract in Minnesota. O'Neill was just 22 years old at the time of the draft. Other guys who've had years as starters. Let's see here. Obviously the one that people missed on most was 22-year-old three-time Pro Bowler Orlando Brown, drafted by Baltimore in round three, pick 83. Did not test well. Tested pretty poorly, but has translated into being a nice football player for Baltimore, now the Chiefs. So there were options to be selected there, and Corbett was a miss here. So Corbett didn't test overwhelmingly well. I mean, he was fine. He had a 28 vertical, 19 bench press, 5-1-5-40. You know, the three-cone and 40-yard shuttle were fine. He's a 6.2 grade from Zerline, which is 6.2, will eventually be a plus starter, which came to fruition, just not in Cleveland. So Corbett, who was he was 22 at the time of the draft, but an old 22. I think he turned 23 right around September. So he was uh, 23 in his rookie year, so older at this juncture, especially with how Andrew Barry drafts. Corbett struggled. Here's the bio. He struggled to stay on the field in high school due to knee injuries, but his senior year was good enough to earn walk-on interest from his hometown, University of Nevada. After redshirting in 13, stepped on the field to start 12 games at left tackle. Talk... Uh, Talk was around whether he could play left or right tackle. Taking over, he actually took over for Joel Batonio when he did. Corbett was named a team captain the sophomore in 15, garnered honorable mention all Mountain West Conference honors after starting every game at left tackle again. Corbett started every game at left tackle once again the next year, and his NFL future is a hard-nosed but athletic guard is what they project him as, a junior, playing well enough to gain second-team all-conference from league coaches. So... Even then, they were projecting him as a junior, and ironically enough, Zerline's comparison was John Greco. Okay, Corbett won't blow you away with any of his measurables or play traits, but he's a solid in most areas. Corbett's definitely sharp enough to move inside to guard or even center and has good technique, but his average to below average play strength and lack of length may be a concern. He has the size and talent to compete for uh, you know reps at guard and center early on. 
but he may elevate above an average start to be an above average starter during his career. He may or may not. So not a great grade for a guy you're taking at 33. And if you were looking for interior players, you know, James Daniels was taken after this. And I don't know if the Browns were looking at interior guys, but it was just an interesting spot to take that type of guy. Mason Cole, guys who could have made a, a better immediate, immediate impact. So, you know, not a deep draft interior-wise, Scott Questenberry, but, like, it's just an interesting pick that you have more premium selection. Will Hernandez even taken right after his, uh, at, right after Corbett. So, you know, I think Will Hernandez is a superior player. Braden Smith, who's been a four-year starter for the Indianapolis Colts. It's hard. It's not a great pick. It's really hard to justify, especially considering some of the guys still on the board, especially even at tackle. So Corbett... Strengths, fires, hands with force and purpose in both run game and pass pro. I didn't see that translate well. His initial punches meant to send a message. Above average football intelligence. I think so. Understands his job and plays with good instincts and awareness against twists. I'm guessing that might have gotten better with LA. Makes assist assignment adjustments quickly when faced with late pre-snap movement. Plays with adequate lateral quickness and compete in gaining proper position as a move blocker. Executes quality cut blocks, rarely panics with his feet when forced into recovery mode. Usually gets to his targets as a combo blocker. I would say that's fair and as an inside guy. Adequate hand placement and pass pro considered a team leader and determined worker and went from walk-on to four-year starter. His weaknesses, has only played left tackle at Nevada, so it's going to take time to learn uh, learn left guard. Uh, at, this, at this point, it was more right guard. Lacks quality leverage and leg drive. May struggle to play strong interior linemen. That's a fact. Allows the defenders to slip out of grasp when hands hand placement falters. Agreed. Did not do well with replacing the hands. Hand strength and upper body power could fall back in the, uh, below the mark needed for quality recovery against NFL power. Can be a tick late in redirecting his weight against counter moves. Core strength needs work. Agreed. Struggles to maintain body control against quality sack and shed. Defenders. Coaches tell us he's smart, just solid all the way around, longtime starter in the league. I think he'll end up at center. So that ends up becoming true. The ironic thing is that the the pick, uh, the fifth round, produced a player named Wyatt Teller. And we all know Wyatt Teller went to Buffalo at 166. Originally, in the preseason of this year, Wyatt Teller is brought in to Cleveland. And, um, you know, in 2019 when they let go of Corbett as well and traded him to L.A. So... That tells us what we need to know. I think Corbett's strengths were not as good as they needed to be for Cleveland to keep faith in him. He ended up becoming a decent player out in L.A., now obviously getting another contract. But the reason he became a decent player in L.A. is because the system fit was right. I think the system fit in Cleveland now actually would have been better for Corbett. That's just me personally. Next pick is Nick Chubb. Um, Zerline pretty pretty low on him, a 6.2, eventually become an average starter. This was not... Uh, this was not abnormal at the time. Sony Michelle, the the teammate of Nixon in Georgia, was the higher ranked prospect. Four five two forty, plays so much faster. Twenty nine bench, that's strong. A thirty eight five vert, yep. Twenty eight one twenty eight broad, very strong. His three code and forty weren't overwhelmingly great, but really good overall. He says that uh, Chubb has the size and mindset of a primary ball carrier, but lacks any one element of his game that jumps off the tape when evaluating him. Chubb isn't overly elusive, but he does a good job of running through arm tackles and initial contact with lower body strength and contact balance. Chubb's become 
Chubb could become an average NFL starter, but his lack of third down value may end up hurting his draft stock. So not a ton of third down value, but people missed on this, man. Matt Wallman, again, deserves all the credit in the world. He got an Alfred Morris camp from Zerline, but man, he was, he was so good. He was so good at Georgia and people just didn't see it. And me, me too. I was a Sony Michelle fan at the time and Nick was it possesses a low center of gravity, strong base, natural balance to help stack, uh, stack yardage after contact fact. Has some pop behind his pads as a runner. That's a fact. Can attack attack the edge with sudden lateral cutback if contained falters. He's so good at that vision of the the three cut vision in wide zone systems and in and in gap stuff. Has one cut ability. Check. Saw foot quickness and burst improve after sluggish 2016. Reminder: He had a terrible knee injury at Georgia that he had to work back from. He has adequate acceleration to the edge and is effective with his offhand stiff arming and separating himself from tacklers in pursuit. That's a fact. Shows proper level of discipline to keep runs between the tackles when called uh, for ra- called for rather than trying to bounce everything outside. Check. Has footwork and fuel to slalom through interior traffic and squeeze out hidden creases near the goal line. Not been as great a goal line back as I thought he would be. Nick, Nick's not quite as good as Kareem. They, they prefer Kareem there. He's a patient approach and runs with very little waste in motion. Agree. And ball security is a plus. The ball security is definitely very good. So, you know, they missed here. It's pretty obvious. Pretty obviously they missed. Um, as far as running backs at the position, um, guys with Pro Bowls, Nick has three Pro Bowls, and that's the second best in the class behind Quentin Nelson, tied with Darius Leonard. So, yeah. Anyway, that's uh, let's talk about his weaknesses and see if those stack up. So he is explosion and sharpness, still not quite where it was before the 2015 injury. It came back. Late wiggle is average. Disagree. Needs to make early cuts to avoid tacklers. I mean, yeah, but he's gifted at that. Tends to get bogged down when forced by penetration to make off-schedule moves in the run. Nah, vision is just okay. Not true. Shows occasional hesitance in uh, reading block development. Don't think so. Would benefit by pressing line of scrimmage a little deeper. He got better at that. Would like to see him physically challenge tacklers more often than trying to shake them. He's found a good balance there. Let's just say that. Doesn't possess runaway speed. Not true. I've he, <laughs> The dude runs away from people, man. And wasn't used often on passing downs at Georgia. He's actually gotten a little better at passing down than Cleveland. But um, anyway, that's that's it. So source tells us he was smart to go back to school because he got in better shape. Looked a lot better than last year. I thought he was special before he tore his knee up. I don't see special anymore, but I do see a solid runner. Well... Special returned. So, Nick, very good football player. Uh, the best running back in that class. Other running backs in that class were Darius Darius Geis, who I, I mean I liked a lot before he fell off the deep end. Saquon Barkley never became who we thought he would be. Sony Michelle never quite materialized to a player we all thought he could be. Rashad Penny was also taken in the first round. He's actually started to come on late last year, so... We'll see what happens with Sharp Penny, but it has not been first-round justifiable. Ronald Jones has flirted around with Leonard Fournette in Tampa. They just let him go. Kerryon Johnson never really materialized. Royce Freeman, Naheem Hines. That is really it for anybody of substance at running back. So, all right, that's the end of that. Nick Chubb, far and away the best running back pick. Next up, Chad Thomas. Top of the, uh, top of the third round here. Pick 67. I will say, too, you could have passed on Austin Corbett for a position of need, Darius Leonard. He was sitting there at pick 36. He was taking the pick after Chubb. 
So, you know, three first-team All-Pros, three Pro Bowls, four years as a starter. Yeah, that was there. That was a player you could have selected at a position of need. So, anyway, Chad Thomas, three picks behind Chad Thomas. The next three picks, Justin Reed, fantastic safety. B.J. Hill, I think Justin Reed just signed with KC this this offseason. B.J. Hill, Cincinnati, defensive tackle, good football player. First-team All-Pro, Pro Bowler, Fred Warner, outside linebacker from BYU. The pick after that. Also in this round, Mark Andrews had a first-team All-Pro tight end season. And then we've already talked about Orlando Brown. So the Browns settle on Chad Thomas, who gets a 6.1 grade. Good backup with the potential to develop into a starter. 4.92 40-yard dash, 29 vertical, 116 broad. Didn't test a lot of important things. I just don't. I mean, I have a hard time with how they got here. Maybe this was just a Highsmith pick and they let him pick him. His NFL comparison was Jason Jones, a draft projection of rounds four to five. He has all the physical tools and traits a team could look for along the edge, but he's versatile to play in an odd or even front. His draft grades based much more on projection than production at Miami, and he will need to prove that he can convert coaching into success on the field as a pass rusher. Thomas has the potential to become a much better pro than college player. I should note, too, another couple things. Chad Thomas turned... 23 pretty quickly after the draft he was uh he was like in august he was an older pick corbett like i mentioned turned 23 nick turned 23 in december of his rookie year so nick will play this year at 27 he'll turn 27 in december he'll play this year 26 so chad thomas was their oldest pick so far here their round three pick 67 strengths he possesses desired nfl size and well proportioned yeah his physical tools to play an odd or even fronts yeah, kind of. Loose-hipped, that never saw that. Converts speed into power, never saw that. Ability, sorry, agility shows for effective pass to quarterback. Didn't see it, man. Smooth lateral movement can mirror running backs. His run defense was better than his pass rush, but still pretty bad. Chase so tight. Change of direction comes easily. Athletic enough to drop into space as a stand-up backer. Extremely rangy. Plays with great bend. This guy never translated. He is just none of these. Leverage makes him tough to move off the point of attack. He hasn't figured out how to use his hands. This is weaknesses. So he'll need schooling in that area. Never did figure that out. Leads with torso, shoulders, and is up there and is there to be punched by tackles. That, yeah, the fact. Just a wide punch zone. Inability to soften the outside edge protection. Tackle makes trimming edge and flattening the quarterback more challenging. Did not have good bend. Post an unimpressive production despite size and athletic traits. It's the same thing that happened in the NFL. Finished career with only 99 regular season tackles and 9 sacks in his career. Loose upper body and hips. Go to waste too often. Slow to process against the run game. Lacks instincts and plays with wasted movement. And gets by on athletic ability. A lot of things in these weaknesses. Very concerning about tools undeveloped. And no production. And does he love the game? That was a huge thing. Does he love the game? He'll be a very good NFL player or a bust, says an AFC team's East Coast scout. I don't think there's an in-between. He has a music thing, which he's supposedly really good at. We know. And it's legitimate to question whether or not he has the heart in the, into this football thing as a long-term passion. That ended up yielding itself to be true. I'll never forget being there live and at camp when he flipped off the crowd because the team was running and Getting, he was getting yelled at for a fight that he was a part of. Jeez, this is a terrible pick. Really talented, but hasn't improved like he should have, and that never happened in the NFL. Next up, 
wide receiver Antonio Callaway, who put up a strong rookie season. All the testing numbers you could want, you know, with the with the pick they made here at 105. The only one that you could argue with was actually the fifth round pick at the end of it, Marquez Valdez Scantling, but he was 23. It's a lot of upside to this pick in terms of he was young, 21 at the time. So I get it. I was just taking a risk on the character of the player, though. That was the huge thing. Character. He got in trouble so much. Okay, he was 21. He came with a 6.1 grade backup with the potential development of a starter. He ran a 4.41 with a 34 inch vertical. So he was explosive. He could run. Zerline gave him a round seven or project or a uh, uh, free agent, preferred free agent designation, a Demarcus Robinson comparison, and he ends up going in the fourth round, pick 105. Make no mistake about it, if Callaway had put together a trouble-free 2017 with even average production, he would be one big combine performance away from being one of the more buzzed-about talents at the receiver position in this draft. However, his character concerns are at a point where they could derail any opportunity for a career. His talent and explosiveness gives him a good shot at making a roster at some point. And he went for over 500 yards his rookie year. But he, uh, his ability to stay on track and reach his potential starting to feel unlikely. So the Browns took this opportunity to draft a guy in the fourth round. Ooh, feet are light and electric. Exceptional athlete. Energetic with explosiveness early in his routes. Gets away from press coverage with inside or outside releases. Too much, handle on slant, too much to handle on slants and crossing routes. Creates instant throwing windows underneath. Possesses tremendous pure speed and maintains it through his routes. Torments man coverage if he's allowed to operate in space. He's easy, has easy speed to fly past tardy opening cornerbacks and run wide open. Athletic leaper with plus agility. Can get them high, low, or behind them. He gave Minka Fitzpatrick problems in the SEC Championship game in 16. Scored a touchdown passing, rushing, and receiving on both kick and punt returns. Any electric punt return talent. He was, I think he showed enough promise to say a lot of these things carried over. You know, he made some electric plays. Think about that New Orleans touchdown late fingertip catch back in 2018, early in the season. He made some plays, some focus drops here and there, but he made some huge plays against the Raiders. He caught a dig over the middle of the field and turned it into a 65, 70 yard gain. He could do some things, man. There was a lot of talent here. The weaknesses has trouble, has run into troubles off the field. We know scouts say he is liked by Florida staff, but not trusted. Loves to compete on the grass, but not as enthusiastic in the weight room or film room. That's not surprising. Hands are a little inconsistent. Can prove with toughness when he's challenged. Routes can become frenzied and hurried. Needs to harness explosiveness. Slow getting into his breaks due to lack of hip sync. Uh, same issue still. Sorry, same issue stalls his, his change of direction as a route runner. Gives away his outbreaking routes. And despite talent, just seven touchdowns over his final two seasons. Doesn't pay attention to the details, doesn't work hard in the weight room, and is a massive issue off the field. You're taking a huge risk. That's what John Dorsey did, man. And, and now we've seen the Browns have been taking huge risks on character now between multiple regimes. We'll see if it manifests some success here, but these uh, this risk on character here, and just like with Chad Thomas and his love for the sport, never came to work. And it's just that's the risk you run. You're not you're not scouting talent necessarily. You're scouting the person. That's the thing we can't do. I just watched the film set an AFC pro personnel director, really natural athlete, pretty good player, but they're just too many headaches to deal with. So I can't see him, see us taking a chance on him. Our owner will say no, and I don't even think we would put our board, uh, put him on our board to be honest. Well, Cleveland didn't. They took him in the fourth round. So could have had, like I said, Marquez Valdez Scantling could have had. 
others at the position. Not really very many behind him. Browns took Ratley in the seventh round, which we're not going to talk about. Older player, not really worth our time. Um, like I said, Ray Ray McLeod has lasted a little while in the league. Braxton Berrios in Miami. Cedric Wilson in the sixth round, just got a nice contract. Equinemius St. Brown, who was in Green Bay for a while. All guys who would have lasted longer, we know that. So that's about Auden Tate has lasted in Cincinnati for a while. Trey Quinn, two seasons starting in Washington. So, you know, could have done better, could have done worse. I get it uh, to an extent. Jannard Avery's the last pick. Jannard's tough. Browns traded him after two years. We liked him. It's a 5.9 grade, and Jannard was older. You know, Jannard was selected uh, out of Memphis. He was the 150th pick, fifth-round pick. He was 23 at the time of the draft, so he was their older selection, but a good athlete. You know, 4'5", 40, 36-inch vertical, 124 broad. Like I said, good athlete. Average backup or special teamer, a 5.9 grade. Overview, Avery's a big athletic linebacker, and he compared him to a Landon Roberts with the history production where he's playing inside or outside. While he's a little too tight-hipped, his movement in the open field is generally unencumbered. Avery offers versatility, and teams may choose to build on some of his rush talent he showcased this season for Memphis, but his best spot appears to be a 4-3 strong side linebacker with plus special teams ability. The state champion power lifter, lower body built like a tank, can scrape and scramble to win second half of the rep and find his work. All effort. Flashes straight line burst to close the rusher in ball pursuit. Plays with better sink and flow and space than anticipated. Worked on pass rush moves before 2017 with all pro defensive end Chuck Smith, and it showed hands are active early as a rusher to force the other side, the tackle's hands. Uses strong, well-timed slap to disengage blocker's outside hand. He has uh, experience as an inside backer, able to play over tight ends and special teams. Value. He never played Sam in Cleveland. He uh, he was only just like a hybrid player in a, a system Greg Williams used. I cannot remember the name of that system, but he would come in third downs and do some athletic things. Weaknesses, hand usage needs to work at the point of attack. I would agree, get overwhelmed. Tries to work around blockers rather than punching and controlling. Drops his eyes when engaging blockers and will lose track of football. Instincts and diagnosis from inside linebackers below average. Yeah, it never worked out there, even though they tried. Tardy starter and flows to perimeter. Gets him caught behind blocks. Pass rush is tight-hipped around the edge. Didn't have much bend. Will need to work more on creating pass rush plans and counter moves. Never really did. Defaults to arm tackles and will gather feet into contact at times rather than bringing his hips to force, uh, force the, bring force to the ball carrier. I like Jannard. I thought he was a good player. He had some nice moments in Cleveland, but... They decided to get something for him. They think he was you know, a guy they could duplicate. They had a Sam uh, the next year in Taki Taki they liked, so I understood it. An NFC defensive assistant said they think he's really interesting as a prospect because of his size and versatility. Wanted him to be a better pass rusher than he actually was on tape, but we can work with that. I'm sure as a special teams coach, going to love him. Cleveland loved him in that way too, just you know, they thought the value of getting a pick back for him made more sense, so he was a round 5-6 projection. So that's this draft. Um, not some swings and hits, right? Uh, with with Ward and Chubb, but obviously some swings and misses between Chad Thomas and Callaway, and you know uh, Austin Corbett, and it just could have been better. Could have been a special draft, but it was not. And but again, some pieces that ended up being pretty good for Cleveland. So not all a disaster by any means. So we'll keep checking in on this. This is fun. We'll look at 2018 next, and we finally have 
a real draft guide. Dane started putting out his draft guide that I can look at for 2018 so we can be a little more a little more buttoned up in this. But um, yeah, like I said, some good pieces, some bad pieces. Could have been better, could have been worse. Um, but you know, I like to go through and look at whether those guys improved or not. And we covered a lot of those, especially with with Nick and Denzel, who we think are going to be imperative to the even even going forward here, imperative. And uh, you look at why some guys fail, the character stuff. Do they love the game? Those things were pretty clear in this draft. Corbett, a big ass to switch positions, going inside and having a short temper with how long you were going to be patient with him to go inside. So you can see where you can miss on these things, and sometimes it's pretty obvious, right? So you swing and try to hit out the park on some of these guys that you see all the tools. Sometimes the production, the film, have to meet what you're guessing about with the character and stuff like that. So, you know, that's the risk of the draft. That's why not everybody's perfect at it. Anyway, thanks for checking out today's episode, guys. Sorry that my voice sucks. I'm so nasally. I'm trying my best to get through this cold. Uh, We'll keep trying to do so and get some weekend content out as well, but it'll be tough. Try to do my best. Have a great Friday, everybody. Hopefully you enjoyed this. I've had a lot of people hit me up about this, these conversations about draft. If you have something about this, you want me to hit up, uh, sorry, talk about or an angle to take, hit me up on Twitter, DM me, whatever would appreciate some insights from you. So thanks again, guys. Really appreciate your support. And like I always say, and then with have a great Friday, go Browns. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.